0: Hello everyone and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm a mom of two girls. Olivia is 14 and Eva is almost 12. I am a kindergarten teacher currently uh, working with my ACE partner to help my kindergarten students learn from home during the COVID-19 epidemic. I am also a freelance writer, a blogger, an occasional TV guest, and yes, a podcaster. And this is episode 50 of the show. I am so excited to say we've made it to 50 episodes and I wouldn't be here without all of you. So I just want to start out with thank you to you for listening, for helping me to keep this show going. Um, It's been so much fun, these 50 episodes, talking to so many different people and and learning different things and being able to share my book recommendations and all of the other things that I love with you. I hope that you have been entertained and that you have learned something and maybe taken some of my recommendations and and been happy with them. So again, thank you for being here. In this episode today, in my favorite things, I'm going to be sharing two great book recommendations. One of them is actually the pick for um, next month for the This Mom Loves Virtual book club. In the lifestyle segment, I'm going to just talk a little bit about some board games that my family loves because this is definitely a hangout at home with the family time period. So we will share some favorites. And my very special guest today is Julie Cole. So Julie is the co-founder and vice president of Mabel's Labels, which is a multi-million dollar business. Um, she's a Canadian mom of six. And so we're going to cover all sorts of different topics. We're going to talk about raising the six kids. Her oldest son has autism, so she's opening up a little bit about the whole special needs parenting, talking about nesting with her um, husband, they're separated now. So her ex, they do the nesting thing at home. Um, We're going to talk about how things are going in her house with coronavirus, but then also during normal times, how she organizes six kids, the whole scheduling and organizing of stuff. I'm asking her about kids fighting, asking that question for a friend, of course, and a little bit about uh, style and beauty too. So definitely you will want to stick around to uh, hear some words of wisdom from Julie Cole later in the show. So kicking things off with a couple of book recommendations. So the first one is called The Girl in the Letter. And I've been desperate for books these days, and my amazing massage therapist, who has become a friend, sent me um, a photo of her bookshelf and said, okay, what is there on here that you want to read? And we can arrange a porch pickup. So The Girl in the Letter was one that I asked to read, and uh, really, really glad. So here is the publisher's description of the book. A heartbreaking letter... A Girl Locked Away, A Mystery to be Solved. 1956, when Ivy Jenkins falls pregnant, she is sent in disgrace to St. Margaret's, a dark brooding house for unmarried mothers. Her baby is adopted against her will. Ivy will never leave. Present day, Samantha Harper is a journalist desperate for a break. When she stumbles on a letter from the past, the contents shock and move her. The letter is from a young mother begging to be rescued from St. Margaret's before it is too late. Sam is pulled into the tragic story and discovers a spate of unexplained deaths surrounding the woman and her child. With St. Margaret's set for demolition, Sam has only hours to piece together a 60-year-old mystery before the truth, which lies disturbingly close to home, is lost forever. Read her letter. Remember her story. So the author of this book is Emily Gunnis, G-U-N-N-I-S. So again, a kind of historical fiction the actual St. Margaret's is fictional but based on of course places like that that did exist we know a lot of them in Ireland this particular story takes place in England and as I mentioned on social media if anybody follows me there books like this are a bit hard sometimes to read as a Catholic it's kind of like you know the residential schools or or other things that you read about and you think okay I identify as a Catholic do I identify as you know my people having any part of that And you kind of just have to understand understand history I think it's very important for people um, and and as I said too, I think that kind of discomfort ideally breeds um, change for the better. So The Girl in the Letter by Emily, <clears throat> excuse me, Emily Gunnis, definitely recommend that one. And the second book is definitely not a new book either. It is called Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. So I shouldn't say it's not a new book. I think it was out um, last year, but it's not brand, brand new. It's just that there's been so much buzz around this and several people in my book club have already recommended it. So I thought, you know what? I'm picking this for the May choice for the This Mom Loves virtual book club. So that is on Facebook. Pop over and look for us. It is a private group, but anyone is allowed in. So we will definitely approve your membership. But um, right now we're about 65 women, I think, in there. Men are welcome too if they'd like to join. And we started in January, so we've read a few books already. Every few days I post a new question about that month's book. A lot of times it's about themes or opinions and things. Sometimes you don't even have to have read the book to be able to give your two cents. So it's just kind of like a fun, supportive group. If you want to join us, check on Facebook for the This Mom Loves Virtual Book Club. And in May, we will be reading Where the Crawdads Sing. So, publisher's description. For years, rumors of the Marsh Girl have haunted Barkley Cove, a quiet town on the North Carolina coast. So in late 1969, when handsome Chase Andrews is found dead, the locals immediately suspect Kaya Clark, the so-called Marsh Girl. But Kaya is not what they say. Sensitive and intelligent, she has survived for years alone in the marsh that she calls home, finding friends in the gulls and lessons in the sand. Then the time comes when she yearns to be touched and loved. When two young men from town become intrigued by her wild beauty, Kaya opens herself to a new life, until the unthinkable happens. Where the crawdads sing is at once an exquisite ode to the natural world, a heartbreaking coming-of-age story, and a surprising tale of possible murder. Owens reminds us that we are forever shaped by the children we once were and that we are all subject to the beautiful and violent secrets that nature keeps. So I think beautiful is a good word to describe it. I mean, so descriptive, everything about the North Carolina Marsh, obviously you can tell Delia Owens has some sort of background knowing um, how all the living things in that area of of the states, how they all um, live and move and and work together. So tons of description in that regard, but even just the the character, the story of Kaya basically being abandoned um, eventually by her family and living alone in the marsh, how she kind of gets educated, what happens from there. It's a really, really fascinating story. And then of course the murder mystery aspect. Was he murdered? Did she have anything to do with it? Was it connected to her in some way? And um, we do get somewhat somewhat of an answer by the end. So excellent book. I'm really excited to share that with my book club in May and to uh, to discuss it because there's so much there to talk about. So Where the Dads Sing by Delia Owens. If you are looking for me on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves, on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. That's where I am the most active. I think everyone has their own favorite social media platform and Instagram is definitely where I I keep up. Not only do I post things, but I kind of keep up with who I follow as well. I find Twitter and Facebook. I can never quite get caught up or know if I'm through everything. Um, So Instagram is my my main place, but I post regularly on Twitter and Facebook too. So if that's where you are, please come and find me. Say hello. Let me know that you listen to the podcast. I'd love to follow you back and uh, find out more about you as well. My website is thismumloves.ca, so that's where you can find my blog. And there's also a menu at the top if you're looking for any of my print articles, TV appearances, any other media, I've done a lot of fun things lately that uh, I'll probably be able to share in a future episode, but because of the whole learning from home going on, um, I've been interviewed or given quotes for some pretty cool uh, publications, um, some different outlets, so I will be sharing those later too, but they also go in the media section on my website, there are interviews that I have done interviewing other well-known people, I call those my mum interviews. you can find them on there too. And also there's a spot to connect if you want to work with me, any sort of partnership or uh, just reach out. All of that is at thismumloves.ca. In the lifestyle segment today, just quickly want to talk about board games. So I don't know if you're anything like me as a mom, but some board games just make me want to stick a fork into my eye. I can't just sit for hours with a board game with so many pieces and rules and all of that stuff. And I mean, I'm a very focused person, but uh, I just can't do it. So I mean, the Game of Life, Monopoly, something like that, those are more special occasion. I mean, amazing games, don't get me wrong, but more special occasion around our house. We like to pick games usually that we can play kind of while we're eating dinner together or um, maybe for a little while in the evening. So a few of our favorites, um, mostly classics. We love Trouble. Trouble is honestly you can start playing it from a really really young age. Um, the kids love the little Pop-O-Matic in the middle, and we play it like while we're eating or while we're doing something else, just to enjoy enjoy a game. Clue is probably the most um, involved one on the list that I'm sharing today, but the girls really love that. Um, and Jenga, so Jenga is something totally different obviously because it's the stacking of the blocks and then you pull the blocks out and then you sing the song from the commercial from 30 years ago when you were a kid and your kids roll their eyes at you and it's fun every time, but, and so Jenga's another one. You can start at a very young age because you just kind of get kids wherever they are and, and they jump in and do their best um one that we've been having a lot of fun with lately my mom gave it to us for christmas a couple of years ago i think a five second rule she gave us the junior version so i've never seen the the non junior version i'm assuming um the topics are a little bit more mature or extensive i suppose but so with five second rule um you have a prompt name 3 blank so name 3 vegetables or name 3 provinces or whatever and then there are five seconds to name it. So a little timer. And so you've got five seconds to do that. So because it's the junior version, they're nice and simple. Again, it's something that a young, a young child could do. You can also obviously adapt the time. Maybe you're going to want to give a young child more than five seconds to play. But it is good. It's good for thinking and kind of some divergent thinking, trying to think of as many as many things as you can for, um, for that one topic. And then the last one that we've been playing a lot lately is Euchre. So I don't know. I think communities are either euchre communities or they're not. Like where you grow up and where you go to school and high school and and the people in your community, are there euchre parties, you know, at your uh, parish hall or community center? Definitely I grew up in a euchre community and the one where we live right now is one too. So we wanted to make sure that our girls learned how to play. So um, Olivia definitely has the gist of it now and I think Eva pretty much does now too. But even when we have extended family functions, it's great to get together. I know on Christmas Day, I think we had a little euchre tournament going with three different games all at our, our great big dining room table. We had the big leaves in for, for Christmas dinner and three different games going on at once, and then everybody switching around. So Euchre is a fun one to teach kids to. So my recommendations for games that we're really loving are um, Trouble, Clue, Five Second Rule, Junior, Jenga, and Euchre. Those ones are working very well for us right now. And right before we get to the special guest today, Julie Cole, I do just want to put in a little plug for the This Mom Loves by Hidden Gems by Raquel bracelets. So we have just announced that April 24th, which is just in a couple of days from this episode being released, is the deadline for ordering Mother's Day bracelets to ensure Mother's Day delivery. So if you order a little later than that, you might still be okay. Or if you're not too worried about them coming exactly on time, that's fine too. Um, And then until April 24th, we're also still donating $4 from every bracelet to our local food banks. So you can go to... to thismumloves.ca for more information or if you just go to the Hidden Gems by Raquel website. She's got our collaboration right there on the home page. So of course we've got the Kate, which is the silver bangle, and you choose the birthstones that you want for that bracelet. There's the Olivia, which is more the white stones and then the little silver hanging double double heart charm. You've got the Eva which has the pink and the silver, sorry, the pink and the rose gold, rose gold hematite, and then also the white lava stones are on there. And you can use those as diffusers for essential oils if you want to. And it's got the little pink hanging card off it. So the Olivia and the Eva are both available in Mummy and Me, if that's something you're interested in to have something for your little girl, or maybe you're not so little girl so that you can match. Um, So yeah the This Mom Loves by Hidden Gems by Raquel Bracelets. Make sure you order right away or send someone else a link or a nudge if you're hoping that they will get you one of those for Mother's Day. Um, And we just appreciate all your support. I actually just posted on the blog um, last week a roundup of a whole bunch of little pictures and videos of people who have shared... um, there. This one loves by hidden gems, better cow bracelets on their social media accounts and tagged us. So you can see, um, a whole bunch of different people and how they did their photos and their videos and who they're wearing their bracelets with. It's a lot of fun. So thank you all for your support with that. I'm so excited to introduce my special guest today, Julie Cole. Julie is the mom of six. She's the co-founder and vice president of Mabel's Labels, and she is here to share all her tips and tricks for keeping her busy household running smoothly during isolation and during quote unquote normal time. Welcome, Julie. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So I want to get into your family in a moment, but let's start for, uh, for a sec with some career information. So you started out actually as a lawyer.
1: Yes, it's true. I'm a recovered lawyer turned label maker. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It was. Um, we started Mabel's Labels 17 years ago, and um, really the catalyst for starting the business was that at the time, I started with three other women. And at the time, um, yeah, I was a lawyer, but my child had just been diagnosed with autism and I wanted to leave the traditional workforce. So we had had this good idea for this product and then I wanted to leave the traditional workforce. So I said to the gals, hey, what about our label idea? Should we do that now? And they're like, let's do this thing.
0: And the rest, as they say, is history. That is amazing. So I know you've had some celebrity customers among millions of other regular parents all over the world. But who are some uh, cool people who have used Mabel's Labels? Oh gosh, yeah, we've oh we, really? There's 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 so many. Like um, you know Reese
1: Witherspoon, Tina Fey, like all yeah. I mean we're 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 kind of a big deal in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, because you know what the thing is, moms everywhere. Need to be organized right, and want and want their kids' stuff to get returned home at the end of the daycare day or the school day or whatever, so i mean mm-hmm.
0: we're all we're all united in momhood. Absolutely, and I have to say, as a teacher myself and I've been in kindergarten the last few years, I'm not sure if all parents are quite on board yet with the importance of the labels. I know, and I mean yeah. in our class, we are vigilant about who does this lid belong to and who does this mitt belong to and I think people just think their kids will recognize their stuff and sometimes right. like a parent could write a note saying Bobby left his blue glove with the Nike swoosh on it or whatever, and I try mm-hmm. to give it back to Bobby, nope, that's not mine. that's not mine that's not... right. <laughs> Thank we oh, really just so don't know so yes just a little plug on the teacher end of things get yourself some mabel's labels once we ever get back to school and daycare and everywhere else teachers we're going. teachers are our greatest supporters because like you say i mean you've got
1: a you know a whole classroom of kindergartners and you just don't know what is going where and and also especially in these times um, and i think parents will be a little more aware about you know not wanting germy mix-ups you know if Mm -hmm. their kids got their name on their water bottle then little johnny isn't going to be drinking from little allison's water bottle right so i think um i think parents are going to be a lot more mindful after we come out of the other end of this right
0: exactly now talking about your family you have six kids i believe they range from 10 to 20 is that accurate right now
1: correct correct okay so So let's give us a rundown So, yeah, right. So the first one is 20, and he was my guy who was um, uh, originally diagnosed with autism, which was why we started Mabel's Labels. Um, And he is a second-year university student, and he just finished his last exam yesterday. And uh, so he's home. Of course, they all my university kids got sent home, of course, when this hit, so it's a full house here. So he's, uh, yeah, just finished second-year university. And then I have a daughter, Posey, and she just finished first-year university. She's in exams right now. And then I've got a child, a daughter, Spencer. She is uh, just finished grade 12. So she's missing out on prom festivities and that sort of thing. And then comes another daughter, Jessamy, who's grade nine. And then a boy, Clancy, who's grade eight. And then a little guy, Finian, who's grade five. And that is my head count. (laughs)
0: Now, when we were confirming some details for this interview, you did share with me that you and your husband um, have separated and you said that you're doing the nesting form of co-parenting and you also agreed to open up a little bit about this today, which I'm thankful for. How does that work?
1: Yeah, uh, it works really well for us. So yeah, so we've been separated for quite a few years now, Um, but we co-parent like absolute champs, and I love daddy so much and he's such a good dad and such a great co-parent. Um, so we're very lucky, and that we're really good friends. Um, and everyone always asks, is it the ki- was it having so many kids that <laughs> made it? And, and it was never that we could do the kid thing over and over and over again. No problems there. Um, so we decided with uh, to make it as least disruptive on the kids, we would keep them in the home. And then what we do is we we call it it's called nesting, and it's where the parents kind of fly in and fly out. So the kids stay in the nest and then the parents, um, you know, I'm here four nights a week and he's here three nights a week. But also because we're such good co-parents, really, even on his like nights or whatever, like he has to leave early for work. So I'll come home and get the kids ready for school and off the the door. And then I'm here when they get home because he does get home just from work till late. So we're very I mean, we, we both see the kids all the time pretty much. So it's worked out really well. And from the kids' perspective, they're like, we haven't noticed any changes. <laughs> but I, I know this is not something it takes, it takes a very special couple, I know, to be able to do this. I'm sure any of you who are out there listening and have gone through, you know, a, a marriage ending, you're probably like, I can never do that with my husband. And I, I hear that. So it, it is a very unique situation. Uh, but I think when you go and have six kids with somebody, you there's a great level of loyalty and trust and and uh and you know, communication. So we were able to do it.
0: And as we are recording this, we are in the middle of the COVID-19 stay at home, um, situation. So what are things like at your house right now in terms of, you know, kids doing schoolwork and you trying to work and all of that stuff? Right.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty crazy. The, um, the bigger kids, uh, you know, with their university exams, um, One of them is very uh, diligent and likes and studies very hard. So we need needed to ensure that she had a very private uh, space so that she wasn't interrupted. Um, Everybody's really managing their own homeschooling. Like they can, I am so lucky, like the ages they are, honestly, like if this had happened, you know, years ago, like my kids are close in age, right? Like when I had my fifth baby, my oldest child was six. If we had gone into COVID lockdown, then I would have lost it. Like are you mamas out there who have little ones getting underfoot? I don't know. My only like sanity saver in those days was to get out of the house every day with them. Mm-hmm. Like we were always going places, activities. I found it more work to stay home than I did to pack them all up and go somewhere. And that was, I'm just a goer like that. So I would be having a really hard time. So I am lucky right now, the ages they are. And, um, I will say, though, my 10-year-old will be the death of me. He, he does have ADHD, and homeschooling him has been very hard on me because uh, he's that kid who needs somebody on him all the time. Like, he needs, you know, my other kids will be like, okay, well, I'll just go online and see what my teacher said to do, and then I'll do it, whereas you need to be beside him. So, you know, it takes a village. So what we've done is we've divided up his subjects, and each child is responsible for um, sitting with him and completing um, a subject. So his sister Jessamy has been in charge of math for the last three days. Um, so that that's that's super helpful because again, you know, I've got to, I've got to work as well. Uh, so it, it, and it's the whole many hands make light work, and it's good for the big kids to help him and kind of get a better understanding about his little learning differences too. I find it's been an eye opener for them. They think he's just a brat. But now they know <laughs> he's got a few things going on. <laughs> yes.
0: No, I think that's fantastic yeah. though. Kind of. Um... Uh, getting those older kids to be doing things, I mean, in that specific situation, or even doing things around the house, anything that kind of helps keep things running smoothly and helps to, you know, give the parents time, because people who are trying to stay employed while they're at home, it's its not easy.
1: Exactly. No, exactly. That's thats right. And, you know, your family, you need to work together, right? And uh, this is, I, I think there's a lot of families learning that lesson during this, that, you know, we are we're a team, and we've only got each other, and let's we got to make the best of this and keep this household running and uh yeah not kill each other
0: <laughs> are you enforcing any sort of schedules at the moment
1: um so before all the online schooling happened i was doing i did have a schedule just because i find that my kids um do operate better with a little bit of a schedule um so i did have you know s- certain times where it was like academic work certain times where they could do um non-academic work uh go outside you know do a board game like I haven't had a little daily schedule um like I said my kids always function best with that and so do I because I know then what to expect in the day and when I can work around uh that schedule um obviously the big kids just kind of did what they felt like most of the time just you know getting their the university kids they can sort themselves out um so that that worked really well, and I think I think it does help keep a little bit of the sanity going. So I think I would advise you know families out there if you want to put a little bit of a schedule. If you're trying not to be, if you're not big schedulers, maybe just even have a couple goals for the day. Be like, okay, today I'm going to teach everyone how to do laundry, or we're going to bake some cookies, and we're going to play outside. Like just have a few goals that you want to get done, or you know they're going to read something. Um, it's uh, it's funny times, right? Like this is and it's high stress times. I certainly with my little guy who I'm having, you know, having to homeschool and it's a little bit of a frustrating experience. I'm not, I mean, the teacher, you know, we've got his math, we've got his language, we've got typing, we've got all these things and I'm just taking, I'm I'm just doing the basics. We're not doing anything above and beyond. And I've told this teacher, no, we're not doing like, uh, you know, like they're, they're at a religious school. I'm like, we're not doing religion. It's like, we're not doing art projects. He hates our projects. You know, we're not, we're just mm-hmm. doing the basis. We'll do our math. We'll do our spelling. And, you know, I think just communicate with your teachers and it's just not worth, um, you know, being stressed out about it when we're already stressing out about a lot of things. The other thing I do like about the schedule is that I feel like if you have a child who's a warrior creating some, some, just some structure around their day, I think it, it leaves them less time to kind of worry about the situation. Like, Anyone out there who's got a kid with like general anxiety, this COVID mm-hmm. stuff, like they've got a whole bunch of new things that they're perseverating about. Right. So, and I do feel like p- providing them with a little bit of structure and reassurance and schedule. Can really
0: help. And I love how you mentioned talking to your child's teacher because every kid is so different. And I know from the teacher end of things, we're here in Ontario. And so for the younger kids, we're supposed to be providing about an hour a day, and older kids two hours, and then up through high school is more. So we're feeling like we need to do our job and have all that stuff there for you to do. But at our end, we totally get that there's so much going on in people's homes. Like we we need to give you this because that's our end of the deal. But I don't think there's any expectation that every child is doing everything on that list because I mean we don't want to stress people out honestly the teachers are amazing the teachers are our our teachers have been amazing and
1: all my teacher friends like I did a post the other day and it was something around like some meme about you know soon we'll find out who our kids teachers next year and it better not (laughs) be me again (laughs) you know because you know I and I think the appreciation we all have for teachers now has just increased immensely i was raised by teachers so i always appreciated teachers but um even my teachers my teacher friends are laughing because they're like you know what i love the 30 kids i teach at school i'm gonna kill my own too (laughs) i don't want to homeschool my own but i can teach everybody else's kids there is something different about it so i do find that there's a great level of understanding and empathy um Going oh yeah. Dark. My girls
0: are are 14 and the other one's almost 12. And it's the same thing. I, it's, yeah. It'd be easier for me to be with my 30 kindergarten students than to <laughs> do this with two, I swear. But okay. so another Personally, question. I'd
1: rather have your two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about, it, not necessarily coronavirus time, but any time year round, fighting between siblings. You must have some of that at your house. And I want to tap into your experience to ask you how you deal with kids fighting. Wow.
1: That's a really good question. I think um, I think the first thing that parents need to really understand is that they all do it. Like I know you think that your kids are fighting more than everybody else's kids or whatever. They're not. All of the, they're all terrible about bickering. And my kids, they like to police each other. They like to report on each other. Like they, the number of times I say myob a day around here. <laughs> yeah. um, I will tell you though that. It shifts like I don't I it it shifts between who bickers. So, of course, I have six of them. Right. Mm -hmm. So like the big ones don't bicker with the little ones. I mean, you know, they kind of bicker with the kids closest in age. Like right now, my grade eight, my grade nine, they probably bicker the most. Um, but I can tell you probably in a year they that'll probably stop like my my teenagers they don't bicker at all like they just sit around and and laugh and have so much fun together. so you will get through it. the only I do have boundaries um around the fighting i I really believe in fighting fair i I'm fine with them if they want to bicker or whatever sometimes I don't want to hear it so I'm like just guys if you're gonna continue with this, take it down the basement because I just don't want to hear it and I'm not gonna jump in and solve all their problems for them um uh, i I do like them to work it out, but you know, if, if it's getting ridiculous, I'll, I'll be like, guys, you know what, you got to cool it. This is ridiculous. Like, or if you want, like I said, if you want to carry on, take it elsewhere, because we don't want to hear it. It's very profoundly irritating to <laughs> listen to kids bigger, um, as you know, but uh, I have also very much taught them. There's a couple things. Uh, uh, one is I, I always uh, push fighting fair. And the other one is what we call the bro code. So um, fighting fair is when you're in a fight, you fight about that. You don't say, uh, oh well, he, she took my sweater and to school without asking. Yeah, well, you're ugly. It's like, wait, being ugly has being ugly has nothing to do with the sweater. That's not not fair fighting. So you know, stick to the topic. Don't bring it. And we're and one of our family uh, philosophies is be quick to forgive. You need to forgive, and then you need to move on, and then we don't bring it back. It's done. It's buried. You don't be like, well, remember that time you? It's done. Mm-hmm. Done and buried. So fight fair. So that's like no name calling no no doing hurtful things and you have to stay on task with the fight um and I don't get a lot of physical stuff I don't know my kids aren't really punch
0: up no kids, that's but, that's uh, not an issue here yeah, about like, the bickering yeah okay yeah, you're giving me don't. a bit of hope Julie yeah Thank the you. Bickering.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no they'll be fine and they'll be the best of friends honestly like uh, you you will be so glad they are exactly prime ages for bickering though I, I I feel that um one other thing like a it's more a family philosophy um is our bro code. And that's anything that goes on on in the house that could embarrass a sibling never, ever leaves the house. So, you know, you would never be on the school bus and be like, oh, well, your crush just walked on the, or, Mm -hmm. you know, so-and-so went his bed last night. And they know very much. Um, They have very good judgment around what kind of things um, don't like uh, around respecting their sibling's privacy and how that stuff stays in the home.
0: You mentioned your oldest child has autism. What advice would you offer for parents out there listening who are navigating the waters of of special needs parenting?
1: Well, right now I can tell you for I'm thinking about all you parents who are at home with children with disabilities um, or autism or whatever, and you are not able to access your respite. You're not able to access your speech therapy. You're not. I am just so seeing you and feeling for you right now. Cause in those days I remember my guy Mac. He was in therapy every day. He had a two-hour session in the morning, a two hour session in the afternoon. And that was my sanity. I don't know how you guys are doing it. And oh, I just so I just want to honor you for a moment. Um, you have no help. And I know a friend whose uh child has um cerebral palsy and now the camp he usually goes to is not going to happen this summer she literally gets one week a year that she's not doing full caregiving of this child and she's just lost that too i i just it's yeah anyway so when this all ends i mean now is a great time to be if you're just new to a diagnosis uh what's great now that wasn't around in my day was like there's great facebook groups you can connect with other parents online there's so much to read um But my real advice would be as soon as this is over, get all the help and therapy that you can. Um, My son was a very, very great responder to applied behavior analysis, Mm -hmm. which is a kind of therapy. And uh, that has led to, and I went hard. I mean, I was doing 40 hours a week. All my family had required reading. Everybody had to know what was on his goals list so that they could work towards them. I ran it like a full-time job myself. Um, uh, and I just, I I just feel like now, like he's 20 and like I said, he's just finished. He lives away. He goes to the university of Guelph. He lives away from home. He's got loads of friends. He was in Africa last summer doing aid work. He has his driver's license. He plays hockey. He has a black belt. He's a lifeguard. He's, he's just got such a full life and he's such an amazing big brother. And honestly, I just think uh, I wonder what he would look like in a parallel u- universe if I hadn't done all that early intervention when he was three. Mm-hmm. And uh and then kept on. And honestly, like I it's so expensive. I mean, there are government <laughs> programs and things like that, but whatever you have to do to fund it, you just like beg, borrow, steal, remortgage your house because you just want the best outcome. I always said, I really I love all my children, but I really, really want to suffer from emptiness syndrome one day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So basically my goal was to do what I could so that he'd eventually leave. me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's, that's, and that's what we're getting. So, you know, I, I'm so proud of how Mabel's has gone in the last 17 years. And I think about Mac and how he kind of was the catalyst mm-hmm. for it. And I look at him and, you know, I, um, I always say like, uh, I, on my deathbed, I will say he's my life's greatest achievement. And the other five are okay. too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now, in terms of organization, having six kids, I mean, a lot of stuff's digital now, but even just the the paperwork and the forms and the mail and all that stuff that comes through a house, how have you over the years organized all of that stuff? Because I know that's a big question from moms.
1: Right. So I, um, I changed my house from like sort of a tradition, the traditional rooms to suit instead our big family. So I, all my children have a cubby and that's where all their schoolwork and, and, and paperwork would go. So I would, they would come home, put their stuff in there and then I could go through it. And because as you know, as a teacher, the forms, my goodness, the forms mm-hmm. times six. Um, I also converted, we don't have a dining room, we have a children's study. So that's where I could have them all study and I could just walk around and help anyone who needed homework. Um, I also I thought this was actually just a work of genius. When they were all <laughs> young, I um I hired a um a homework helper. So I had a kid who was maybe, I don't know, she was grade nine or ten, whatever. They were all in grade like kindergarten, one, two, whatever. And Miss Nicole would come around and be like, okay, gang, homework time, and they'd all sit in the children's study and I was able then to get dinner on or feed a baby. I mean, because remember, I always had all those babies too, right? <laughs> yeah. So it was very hard to be sitting down and helping with learning when you're breastfeeding and you got a toddler pulling at you and all the rest of it. So um, so getting a home- homework helper was a really, really wise investment um, at that time. So I would say make sure everything has a home. So paperwork, you know where that lives. I'm, a, again, big fan of schedules. I've got a whiteboard and kids are color coded on it, which activities are where, um, you know, hockey, dance, everything's on the schedule. And I also have that there so that the kids can see the visual of what their activities are so that they can get themselves ready and make sure their dance bag is ready or their hockey bag is in the car and that sort of thing. I tried to, I tried to raise them very, um, so that they're very independent. I, I never do for them what, what they can do for themselves. There are six of them. I mean, I, I had to train them. I had to make them independent because I just, I just couldn't go around and tie everyone's shoelace. Like, I just, they had to learn how to do it at a young age, right? So th- there's, there's just a lot of practicality that's come around from our organization and our scheduling.
0: And how do you handle all this stuff? I mean, you're kind of moving out of the toy phase, but, you know, we had yeah. toys and clothes and sports gear because obviously you want to keep the hand-me-downs for the kids who are coming next, but then the right. ones who are done, you got to get rid of the stuff. Did you have systems for that? How did that work?
1: Yeah, I did. I had, um, I, I had, uh, you know, um, big plastic boxes that I used and, of course, labeled, <laughs> of course, um, <laughs> by you know sizes i also tried not to have too much i found like you know my kids don't need my three daughters share a bedroom our house actually has two master bedrooms which works great Mm -hmm. so the girls are in the one master bedroom so they have an ensuite so uh, you know they have a couple drawers each and that's enough we do laundry every day because there's so many people so we don't need a whole lot of clothes um and plus they were all in school uniforms uh still are you know like ones who are uh, in not away at university of course um so I was, uh, yes, I was, I was organized around that stuff. I am, um, I am also, I try not to be sentimental about the other stuff that comes in, like, you know, all their, um their
0: crafts and
1: their and their artwork. Sorry, kindergarten teacher, but it hits my recycling box so fast.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> you don't have to tell I
1: mean, me. Uh, yeah. Right. So, I mean, it comes in the house. Like, obviously I'll keep one or two little things that's particularly sentimental, but Generally speaking, like, you know what? Hey, guys, this is beautiful. But it's it's got to go. Like, mm-hmm. we just cannot hold on to all of this stuff, right? Um, and I do tell friends who have a problem hoarding their kids' artwork just to start a file on their computers and take a picture of it and put it in the file. It's far more space um, efficient. And here's the thing, too. Like, I find my own mom, every time I see her, she's giving me another box. Here, Julie, here's a box of your crap. And I'm like, oh, great. My grade three report card, just what I need. So I feel like the longer you hold on to stuff, sometimes the harder it is to get rid of. So I feel like if I just kind of get rid of this stuff now, I'm saving, handing these boxes over to my kids when they're old. I don't want them. Like, yeah. I won't want them. And they won't want them either. So why? Like space is more valuable often than the stuff you keep in it. <laughs> so um, yeah, I just say be be, be, a, be a little bit ruthless and with the toys, and I mean, for me now, it's the, the clothes, like, you know, kids, my teenagers, your girls might be the same. Do they love hoodies? Like, yes. how many <laughs> hoodies do these kids need? And how many Roots track pants? Like, <laughs> yeah. So I try to, if, um you know, if one brings something in, I try to do the one in three out, whether it was with toys when they were younger, or whether it's with hoodies now. But, you know, when something is entering the house, it doesn't just get added to the pile of stuff, then something's also got to
0: leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned putting things on the computer because we did that a couple years ago. One summer we got everything out and we just made Google Drive folders love for the it. girls. Like one is called Brilliant. Olivia Souvenirs, Eva Souvenirs. And I just gave them the iPad awesome. and said, take a picture of anything you want to keep. And then just upload it. And then the, we recycled and recycled. And rec- And I mean, some things, like if it's Brilliant. just one piece of paper, that's not a of big course. deal, but the dioramas, yeah. like, no, we're not uh-huh. keeping the 3D diorama. Take a picture to remember it by and off
1: <laughs> it goes. And- exactly exactly the dioramas good point and all the science fair projects too mm-hmm. yeah we uh, can remember it in a photo board yeah exactly exactly yeah. and like really do we want to remember but we have it there just you know
0: we get the pretend. moment though it's always like oh no i can't get rid of that i can't get rid of that so the right. sort of the compromise and then i'm sure someday yeah. they'll say why did i bother to take a picture of that but exactly
1: Exactly. Now the problem too with the, these uh, COVID ridden times is that a lot of donation centers. So if you are trying to declutter and use this time to organize, a lot of the donation centers aren't taking anything right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that can be a little frustrating, but, but, but don't let it deter you. Like do pack up the stuff, put it like in the garage or in the basement so you're not all tripping over it, but just keep it there for when these donation centers reopen, because they really will want this stuff and need this stuff.
0: Yeah, um, no, that's a good point. Yeah, but
1: I know now. Just don't be dropping. Like, if bins are full and they've got the yellow ribbons over saying "Don't, don't, don't," just drop your bags there because you want them out of your house. We gotta, we're all in this together.
0: For sure. Now, I have read that you are into fashion, and I'm wondering what your self isolation style is and how it compares to your usual wardrobe. <laughs> okay, I do, I do like fashion a bit. It's funny because I'm actually
1: like a a a, a, a pretty like. Like slobby person generally. Like when I'm home, I'm in, I'm in my track pants and my hoodie too. Like and my wool socks. That's what I'm wearing right now. Um, but when I go out, like I guess the thing too is that when I left um, the traditional workforce and started business, I was like, I'm never wearing a business suit again. I never have to. So that's the one item I will never wear. <laughs> I will not wear a business suit. That is what I get to do as an entrepreneur. But and you know what? Really, because when I go to work, I can wear like funky jeans and, and chunky shoes and chunky sweaters. And, you know, I can have some fun with it. And I do have like, I do a lot of media, right? I do a lot of stuff. And I, I'm lucky enough that I have an amazing clothing sponsor who can lend me clothes so that, you know, now, I mean, in the old days, I could go on something and then wear the same thing again and whatever, but now it's on your media reel or, you know, I do a speaking engagement and the next day I do another speaking engagement wearing the same thing, but now everybody's tweeting you from the podium or posting on Instagram. I'm like, guess I'm not wearing this (laughs) same (laughs) outfit. So, uh, so yeah, just, just different times. So I work with a great, um, great gal who, who looking half decent, but yeah, I'll come out of this meeting. Some, uh, needing a roots touch up, uh, manicure and maybe, maybe my eyebrows might need a
0: little bit of help too. <laughs> I know we're all in that position, but you know, it's probably good I for our it. hair and our nails and everything to kind of just I have love this it. period of, of being natural, but uh, yeah, I'll be going exactly. back for all those appointments. Good for the
1: environment.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Run, don't walk. <laughs> so my last question for you is, do you have a, this mom loves or a favorite thing to share with listeners?
1: um oh oh what do i love i love so many things i will give a little shout out to the store um that i buy i literally buy all my clothes at and it is um her name's joelle and her her shop is called joelle's and it's downtown burlington i live in burlington and she's uh joelles.com you can always check her out really awesome stuff love her i wouldn't uh, mind also giving a shout out to an author friend of mine karma brown yes um, and I just read her book. She's and it's doing so well. It's on the bestseller. And I know a lot of people are looking for great reading material right now. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's called Recipe for a
0: Perfect Wife. So I would say this mom loves Carmen Brown books and great clothes from Joelle's. Wonderful. So where can people find you and Mabel's Labels online if they are looking?
1: Right, okay. Well, the Mabel's Labels website, of course, is Mableslabels.com. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. We have a really big, fun Facebook community. We have over 200,000 Facebook fans. So you can go to check out Mabel's Labels on Facebook. I'm on Facebook too. We're Instagram. I'm Cole.Julie and at Mabel's Labels. Uh, so yeah, anywhere really on social media. We love the social media. We love connecting with people. We love giving great content. So
0: we're pretty easy to find. Awesome. Julie Cole, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Oh, such a pleasure.
0: And that is a wrap for this milestone episode, episode 50 of This Mom Loves. If you are interested in anything you heard about today, um, whether it's the books that were recommended, the games that I talked about, the bracelets that you can order, anything about Julie Cole, you can find it all in the show notes for today's episode at thismomloves.ca slash podcasts. And again, of course, you're looking for episode 50. I would be remiss if I did not thank you all as listeners for being here. You know, it's very interesting having a podcast. Um, when you it off, you always hope that you're going to just, you know, go viral and explode and have millions of listeners, which is not realistic, uh, um, obviously. But I read some really good advice, and it was actually a specific piece of advice for pod- podcasters saying look at your numbers and then tell yourself or ask yourself, would you be willing to go give a presentation for that many people? If you were going to do give a little speech, a presentation somewhere in a room, would it be worth doing it for that number of people and I mean by far with the with the listeners I have it would definitely be worth it but you know is it worth it for a few people is it worth it for a few dozen a few hundred a few thousand what would you do it for because I think when we look at anything that's going online we know that the potential of people on the internet is in the millions or the billions right and so we want to tap into that audience but even when you look at the numbers that you're getting um, would it be worth it to you and I mean for all of you amazing listeners I know many many. who are here every single episode and some of course just come in and out depending on the guests, depending on the topics that we're talking about, which I totally understand too. But I am grateful to all of you for being here. There would not be a podcast without you. I also want to give a special shout out to my sound editor. So the sound is edited for my episodes by Lucas Sound. That is um, the name of the website that you should look up if you need any um, any sound work done for anything. Obviously, podcasters um, should definitely try him out. I recommend Lucas very much, but he has a great new website with all sorts of information and some testimonials and things like that. So if you're thinking you might need some help with any sound aspect of any work that you do, Lucas sound. And that's Lucas with a K. So definitely Google that and go check him out. So thank you, Lucas, for 50 episodes. Thanks again to all of you for being here. I hope you are taking care of yourself. If you are listening to this at the time it is released, when we are all still at home doing the self-isolation thing, I hope you're hanging in there and staying healthy and doing whatever you need to do to help us flatten the curve and eventually get back out there. So thanks again and take care.